Another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Foley, holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop with the King Harold Barbershop. You're listening to a special post-trade deadline episode of the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the King's Herald, my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, happy post-deadline. How's it going? Will, happy post-deadline to you too. And Jerry, um, it's going pretty well. We've got two excellent uh, and fun Kings games to talk about, so uh, let's let's get right into it. Yeah. He's a uh, he's former I'm Sacramento all- King head. Oh, go ahead, Jerry. No, go ahead. Jump in. No, I'm all excited. I'm just uh, just a Twitter here. Let's get going. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I can, Jerry, just so we can get started. Uh, Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst, GM of a WNBA champion, Indiana basketball hall of famer. He is the true pride of French League himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. And you forgot to add uh, insufferable front runner, but, uh, <laughs> which, uh, but we'll get to today and you'll see. Well, uh, we're, we're here today to uh, uh, we're, we're skipping our, uh, our our biweekly stance here and, and going every week, just this week. But uh, the uh, the Kings have a 22 and a 35 record six. Uh, they're six games back of the eight seed game and a half back of the 10th. Uh, they got the Blazers, Pelicans and Spurs to climb over. They've won four of their last six games. And the reason we're here today is to discuss a, a seismic shift, the royal overhaul of the Sacramento Kings uh, by Monty McNair and his team. We've got two moves to talk about, and we're going to only talk about these moves, and we'll try to stay on topic as much as possible. Um, so, so let's jump in. Tuesday, two days before the deadline, the Kings traded uh, Tyrese Halliburton, but he healed Tristan Thompson, uh, received back uh, Sabonis, uh, which is the is the big exciting move. A 6'11", 25 year old uh, power forward center, two time All Star for the Indiana Pacers. Uh, they also received back Jeremy Lamb. Uh, a 6'5 shooting guard, small forward combo, and Justin Holiday, a 6'6 shooting guard, small forward combo. Jerry, Tony, before we get into how they played their first two games, um, take me through your initial responses uh, when you heard this move come across the wire. Well, for me, uh, I, I've been a Sabonis fan for a long time. I, I just really didn't anticipate Kings being able to get him, uh, in, in all honesty. So so I, w- I was thrilled. I mean, and having said that, like, every other fan uh, with the Kings. I hated to see Halliburton go because I've been a fan of Halliburton's. Uh, But I think uh, to get a proven power guy, that's a young all-star and uh, always, uh, well, I was really thrilled. And I, and I thought, and I've kind of liked over the years, I've kind of liked holiday because I like his athleticism and his ability to to play D. So I kind of felt that, uh, you know, that that would work pretty well uh you know and so we'll see so that but overall like i say i i was just thrilled and you know i gotta be honest right up front i i called uh, larry bird about it you know he you know, we talked a little bit and, he, and of course you know he said he said you know the king's got the best of this deal i can tell you right now he said now i don't work for him anymore but he said the pacers should have kept him and got rid of everybody else uh, sure. That's he said. The, the, he said Sabonis is who you build around, and uh, and I, and I think, quite honestly, uh, you know, I think we're seeing some of that. But that, that was his take of it. He said, uh, you know, he said, hey, I've watched Halliburton. I like him, but I don't know. There's a lot you 
a lot you can't know yet. Uh, 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 but said this guy, and he said, and, and, and uh, he, he just went on. He said, hey, he is highly skilled, tougher than old leather, and uh, uh, totally unselfish. Totally unselfish. So a lot of guys, will, you know, you think they are, but he, he actually is. You know, <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I thought, you know, I, I, yeah, okay, eh, it's nice to hear. We'll see. We'll see. But, you know, so far, we're, I think we've seen all of that, to be honest. Absolutely. Tony, what about you? Yeah, my initial reaction was um, it was mixed, you know, and, and part of that is obviously my attachment to Tyrese Halliburton, both as a player that I, I like, but also as someone that I think has a really high potential in I don't know, maybe the most valuable position in the NBA, that like offensive engine, the guy who can run the show for every possession he's on the court. Um, so my my initial take was that this was a, a very fair deal. Like I thought that the price that Monty paid for a player like Sabonis, that's a that's a very fair trade. My my I guess pessimism on it was hey, well, now the timeline's very accelerated. You've got two and a half years with Sabonis, and you've you've really got to finish this, finish the job here because you got to, you know, I'm, I'm always thinking big picture, maybe to a fault. Maybe I should just enjoy the moment a little bit more, but it's like you're what 10 plus games under 500. When you go acquire Sabonis, you've got this year and two more years before he hits unrestricted free agency. So you've got to build this team around him uh, in a way that convinces him to stay. So you don't end up losing what could be a multi-time all-star guard in Halliburton, depending on how you feel about him. So that's sort of my, my, my pro and con list in, in a nutshell is, it's a great short-term move, but you got to finish the job here pretty quickly. Yeah, I think Tony, for me, it, it was a it was a rather shocking thing to see that Halliburton was the guy getting moved and not Fox. Though yeah. uh, Jerry, as you pointed out, that I, I figured they were trying to. I didn't think Sabonis was going to be this available, and if they that it would be Miles Turner that got moved out, or Fox would be gone for other pieces, and that he was the guy that would be out, and the Kings would kind of reset around Halliburton. So to see Halliburton be the one shipped out at first, it was dizzying. It was kind of like, oh, wait, hold on a second here. Now what did the Kings have? Uh, in, in fact, Jerry, it was me talking to you on the phone that same day. That kind of that was the smelling salts. I got knocked out for a second, and you were the one who brought me to it again. I went, oh, okay, like all right. If Larry Bird, if Larry Bird is the one here, if Larry and Jerry are both uh, okay with this deal, I think I'm okay with this deal too. You know, greater basketball minds than I'll ever be. But um, for me, I think the biggest thing was we've called for, for Monty McNair to pick a direction. We, we've said it here. We've said it in print. Pretty much everyone in Sacramento has said, just, just do something. Either commit to, commit to rebuilding to the draft or commit to, 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 getting, uh, to getting somebody of his caliber. And to Monty's credit, that was something that he was able to do. Jerry, as, as a former GM, how difficult is it to trade for a multi-time all-star like that and, uh, and how far back do you feel like these discussions had to go for a deal like this to be successful? That's, that's a great question. It's, well, to answer your first part, it's very difficult, I, I would say. You know, and I, I think a couple of things come into play, and this is just uh, a, a guess, uh, but from talking to some different people that, uh, you know, I think probably Monte might have preferred moving Fox. But, but uh, you, you know, you can't trade people that, that you can't trade uh, for different reasons. And I think in Fox's case, mostly uh, just contract, uh, you know, just the contract. It really is not talent because he's highly talented as we've 
starting to see again. But uh, and I think the same thing from the Pacers' point of view. I know they'd like to move to Miles Turner, but I don't think he has near the value that most Kings fans think. Uh, and I think that that's what uh, they found out that they couldn't redo their team or try to redo their team uh, with Miles Turner. Uh, moving him and getting anything that would make a difference and so so they that that's kind of in simple terms you know I mean the old deal uh, you can't get an asset without trading an asset and uh, and that's just what they did and you know time to tell a lot of the national media for some reason thinks they thought the Kings didn't get the best of that and, and I'm thinking you really don't watch Kings games do you uh uh, but uh, and I mean that has nothing to do with Halliburton because I, I watched his first game with the Pacers. He was very good. Now he did actually play kind of poorly down the stretch, made a few turnovers. But uh, yeah, he's he's going to be awfully good there. Uh, whether he'll he'll be a multi-time All-Star or not, I think that's a real stretch at this point. But uh, you know the you know getting to Tony's point too. I just want to say it's like you know the Kings actually gained a point guard. It's called Sabonis. Yep. You just do it different. I mean, it's just like the Kings of old. Uh, really, they're with Weber and, and Devots. I mean, you can, uh, you know, run your run your offense a different way, and uh, and certainly uh, it, early returns are pretty impressive. So, so there's that. So Jerry, uh, I only because. Uh... We, I, I watched that Indiana Pacers game too, and uh, I, I watched some of the pregame stuff where you could tell Tyrese Halliburton was uh, still pretty, pretty raw emotionally from all of this. Um, as a GM, we've talked about this a little bit before in the past, but how would you handle talking to Halliburton, who obviously loved the city, who loved this team, who had been embraced by the community? How do you sit down and tell him that he's been uh, sent out rather unexpectedly like that? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, and that boy, that'd be hard, especially when you've drafted him. If you're Monty McNair and you've drafted him. I, I, I think the only way you can is just to, to tell the truth. It's like, uh, we, we really need to turn this team and change it. And you know that because you've been here and you, you know, as good as you've played and your potential, uh, where we are and, and you're good enough you're the player that's good enough and, and, and showed how good you are that we could actually get a young two-time all-star at a position of real need that, uh, that we just didn't have on the roster. Not that, you know, not that you're going to say, well, we have other point guards that, you know, are as good as you, cause you, we, you know, you don't, but you got some other pretty good ones. I mean, Davion Mitchell in particular that, you know, we just don't know yet on him how good he can be. But so so I think just laying it out there, and it's not going to help help his hurt feelings uh, at first, but, I mean, if once he thinks about it, I mean, it's like, well, he's going to a good franchise that really values him highly, uh, yeah. closer to his roots. Uh, he's been – his trade value has been established that he's really a highly respected young talent that he could uh, generate this kind of return. So, so, you know, and it's, it's a business and, and I'd always, and I'd be quick to remind him, it's like, you know, 90% of players get traded. 
90% of all-star types get traded. <laughs> only, only some rare, truly greats are able to, to stick with their teams. I mean, the best point guard in the world is Chris Paul. How many teams has he played on? And, and what, is, what has he done wrong other than make them better? Each one, make them a lot better. <laughs> so, so, if, so anyway, I, I, I mean, I, I think I'd try to approach it that way. I mean, you know, his, you know, I know he took it, I think, probably, you know, like they don't want me. Well, of course, that's not true. Yeah. That's just not true. And I'd be, of course, they wanted you. But uh, this is a business to where, you know, winning 25 games a year, uh, this franchise can't stand much more of that. It just can't. No. Tony, were you uh, were you surprised at what was given versus what was gotten? Were you uh, were you surprised there were no draft picks involved, for example? Yeah, that's why this deal like it shook me up pretty pretty like a lot because it's it's wild that Tyrese Halliburton. It's like scary in in both directions. It's like wow, the Kings could get a player as good as Sabonis without giving up a single pick. So that's awesome for the Kings. At the other end of it it's like wow Tyrese Halliburton was so valuable was so highly <laughs> thought of that someone would trade Sabonis for Halliburton so on both ends it was kind of shocking that that both that the Kings didn't have to give up anything extra and that oh Halliburton was actually this highly regarded around the league that you could get a player like Sabonis for him which in some ways makes it like a, a really great deal for the Kings because they have all their future draft picks they could go trade them for more good players that's certainly a route that Monty Mayer could go in and on the other end it's like wow Tyrese Halliburton might really be something special if the Pacers were willing to give up really one of their best players in their in franchise history for someone that is as unproven as Halliburton. He's proven to some degree, but he, you know, he's was the 12th pick a year and a half ago. Um, and that that was equal to a guy like Sabonis is, is pretty crazy. Jerry, what about you? Well, it's also interesting too, you know, with Indiana, I mean, people forget, I mean, they've got Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. Uh, now he's been hurt. Uh, so now I know they'd probably, I, uh, I'm pretty sure they, they'd like to move him, but you know, they couldn't at trade deadline. So that'll be an interesting little dance through the rest of the year there, uh, and CC, but, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, you know, quite honestly, maybe better than Halliburton, uh, when he's, when he's healthy, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that, that's also a fact, but I, but I know what the Pacers are thinking. They, they, um, but I know what they'd like to do is probably move, move uh, Brogdon and, uh, and, you know, get assets that way, which I think once he's healthy, they can. So that part. Uh, but like I say, the other part uh, I think is in which I took right away was uh, trading Buddy. And, and see, my, my feel at the time, I, I watched Pacers a lot for, for various reasons, but, but I think Holiday's a better player. And I always did. Uh, you know, I mean, he he's not the score shooter that Buddy is on a consistent basis. I just think he's a better player. He's a legitimately two, three guy that can guard those positions. And if you really want to go small, you know, occasionally you could even put him on some wing fours that, that aren't very physical. You know, the Kuzmas of the world, things like that. But uh, so so anyway, I was thinking, shoot, I, I think they gained a little bit on that edge as well. Uh, not just contractually, but player. I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but I had the same thought, Jerry, as you did watching Dante DiVincenzo last night. And we haven't talked about that trade yet, but DiVincenzo shot one for seven from three 
and I still loved all of his minutes. I thought he was really strong on defense. I thought he contributed in other ways on offense. Contrast that to Buddy Heald, that when Buddy shoots one for seven from three, it's also he's given a bunch of points on the other end, and he's not contributed anything else. So I do think there is there is some addition by subtraction when it comes to Buddy, where if he's shooting, great. If he's not shooting, guys like DiVincenzo or Holiday or even maybe someone like Lamb can at least give you something when the shot's not there, whereas th- those buddy minutes were completely empty if he didn't have a good night shooting. You know, just one thing that's funny on that is that the first game with the Pacers, he led them in assists. <laughs> uh, he it's had, a triple-double watch. He had eight assists. Hey, hey, he had eight assists, one turnover, you know, where, where Hallie was, had, had six turnovers, you know, yeah. so now, so you talk about the NBA being uh, wild and crazy, yeah. but yeah, but I, I agree with everything you said. I, I like, I like Dante though. I, I, I'm going to hold off on that a little bit. I love, yeah. I like his athleticism. I like his aggressiveness. I, I think he's got a little bit too much chuck in him right now. Uh, f- for this, I mean, and I understand, you know, where he's coming from off injury, still finding his way. But, but I thought if anybody took bad shots last night, it was him. Sure. He did. Yeah. You know, everybody else, uh, I think so. But uh, I, I sure liked him when he was healthy in Milwaukee uh, a lot. And uh, I think he's a lively guy, whether he's a starter or come off the bench guy, a lively athletic guy who plays hard and got a little, you know, what I've said before, got a little shit bird in him and this team needs, you know, and certainly uh, DeMontis has got a whole bunch of it. And uh, this, this team truly, truly needs, needs that. And so, uh, so I think that'll work fine, but I'll probably hold off just a little longer on that one. Let's, let's just jump into it because we're talking about it. Uh, the deadline deal uh, that, that Jerry and Tony are referring to is obviously that uh, Kings, uh, sent out uh, former number two overall draft pick Marvin Bagley to Detroit and in return received uh, Dante DiVincenzo, who's a 6'4 shooting guard with a bad ankle, uh, who is uh, going into restricted free agency at the end of the year, as well as uh, Josh Jackson, uh, who's a 6'8 uh, small forward, and Trey Lyles, who's a 6'10 power forward. Uh, wh- what were you guys' initial thoughts on this deal in general? Well, I mean, I, I thought it was really good. I mean, obviously, Marvin, just to get Marvin moved down the road, and I, I, you know, it may work for Marvin and may work for Detroit. That's fine. But uh, I think the, most, most people felt like that, that this team uh, strengthened itself. Just, you know, if you'd have got a future second round pick, you'd have probably took at this stage. And I mean, some of it, uh, not all of it's Marvin's fault, uh, but he, he didn't, wasn't available enough. Didn't play well enough when he was available. Uh and certainly he's not Luka Doncic, isn't that? <laughs> and, you know, that's not his fault either. Uh, but it, it was time to move. And you got a nice young, nice young potential talent uh, in Dante. And, and I th- like I say, I think the odds are you're going to really like how it plays out. I'm probably a little more cynical than fans. I don't I, <laughs> I, I, I have to see more good stuff uh, before I'm ready to, to buy in. Were you surprised at the return for Marvin Bagley? Yeah, I was. I thought Monty McNair did a great job on that one. I was, I don't know. I, I thought Marvin Bagley was going to be, you know, we thought we knew this Detroit Pistons rumor was out there, but I never envisioned them getting something back that I actually deemed as like valuable. And I'm probably higher. It sounds like I'm higher on Dante than, than Jerry is. Um, but I, I was very disappointed when that Bogdanovich trade didn't go through. 
uh, what was that, a year and a half ago when that was the re- re- uh, rumored sign-in trade, bogey to Milwaukee, DiVincenzo back to the Kings. Obviously, coming back from an ankle injury, hasn't found his shot, but I like the energy and effort on defense. Um, we only saw it for one game, but I thought he made a lot of really nice defensive plays and some smart basketball despite uh, the, the chuck it that he has in him for sure. Um, but, but I thought that was a great move by Monty, just getting something that can be a long-term piece here at what is suddenly a position of need because DiVincenzo can play one sort of definitely a two sort of three, depending on, you know, certain lineups. So getting another young piece to add to the core. And I think they will try and resign him in restricted free agency this summer. I thought that was a great, great return on Marvin Bagley. You know, the, the, the other thing I, I'm, I'm sorry, but with, with, uh, with Dante, uh, you know, the fact that DeMontis uh, Sabonis is such a, you're running your offense to him. You don't really have to have a, a true point guard. You have to have guys who can handle, get it up the floor and enter the offense. Uh, very different kind of, you know, it changes the game. And, and so uh, all you really have to be able to do is defend the other team's point guard with somebody. Well, certainly the Kings have, have guys that can do that. And certainly Fox could too, if he would so choose uh, and time, time will tell on that, but uh <laughs> Uh, so, so that I think that's one thing that you have to kind of keep in mind. It's a little bit of a different game when you have a, you know, have a focal point that you can run, you know, it's kind of like Jokic in Denver who, who cares who their point guard is. He's their point guard. And that's what's the bonus, yeah. you know, a lesser t- version of Jokic, but, but nonetheless, that it's kind of the same. It's one of those things, Jerry, that for me, uh, I was, uh, in regards to the Bagley trade, I was expecting second round picks or a protected first round pick to go out for this, for this haul. Not that Dante DiVincenzo is, is a world beater by any means, especially coming off of his ankle injury. But I, I don't know if I was the only one in this group, but I kept waiting to hear, oh, the Kings are sending out two second round picks or the Kings have a lottery protected first and, or something to get rid of them. I'd have taken, I'd have taken Trey Lyles uh, for Marvin Bagley straight up. And I'd have been like, okay, you know, it's something, you know, it, it's not, it's, it's, it's a flyer on a guy that's, 610 it can shoot a little bit but so the fact that they got josh jackson who uh despite all of his off-court stuff is a fairly you know he's a player in the league and and trey lyles who who still who's you know still bounced around the league a little bit but is probably a player in the league off the bench but a player in the league and then on top of all that dante DiVincenzo, who you know the bucks basically i think you you were talking about this jerry um offline that that uh that they just picked grayson allen over him because they assumed he would be a a better player overall, but Dante DiVincenzo is a Grayson Allen type guy, a guy that you can get in there and stir shit up a little bit and, and piss somebody off and, and hit a couple of threes in the meantime. Uh, the return that, that Monty got for, for Bagley was shocking because I was headed towards the point where I figured oh, they're going to have to just cut this guy or they're going to send him away for a 55 through 60 second round pick. And that's it. Yeah, that's, that's, those are great points. And I mean, I, I do think that with, I know kind of that, that with uh, Milwaukee, I mean, they just simply like Grayson Allen more because he, I think basically he does a lot of the same, basically they, he does a lot of the same things as Dante, except shoots it better, mm-hmm. you know, just a better shooter. Uh, I don't think he's quite as athletic as Dante, to be honest, but, but anyway, but like I say, it, to me, it's a steal, a clear steal. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I think uh, Monte won this thing and, and I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, Josh Jackson and, you know, a former number four pick who 
picked in front of Fox, as yeah. people might remember. And Lyles was a first-round pick. I mean, I, they're players in the league. And, okay, by bringing those guys in, you lost Woodward and Ramsey. Well, duh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now, I mean, Jemias, I think, someday may resurface as an NBA player. I, I don't see any hope for Woodward. Never did. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, don't mean that bad. He might be the most wonderful person in humanity but there was just never an NBA player there yeah. and uh, I never other than he looked like one in a uniform uh, <laughs> um, are you guys surprised that there's there's some some non-moves out there some people that uh, that didn't get moved at the deadline are you surprised that somebody like uh, Rashawn Holmes didn't get moved or Harrison Barnes in particular well I'm sure glad they didn't move Harrison yeah. now I, I think his his stock and game and he's still young and I mean you know I I guess I, I would say this about Harrison. I, I think he's a guy I would stick with probably till trade deadline next year. Mm -hmm. uh, just to, because I think it depends on what kind of pieces you get in the summer, because this thing might work, Yeah, you know, and if you're, and if you're struggling this time next year in the trade deadline and you know, you're not a legitimate playoff team, then, you know, he, his value isn't going to go down. He's a guy that every team in the league likes. So you can always trade him. You know, you're not going to have to trade him for two future seconds. You know, you, you can do something there. So, but I'll, I just think he fits perfectly with uh, Sabonis and, and the style of play now. So I, I, I look at that different now. As far as Rashawn, Rashawn, I always, I look at that differently as well. I think probably you look to move him. And the, probably the reason they didn't, uh, you know, they couldn't get the deal they wanted. I think there's value out there. But, uh, but uh, you know, here again, I give money. The benefit of the doubt there it wasn't a deal he wanted to make but uh you know probably in the summertime uh if you're you know you you certainly probably want to look at that now the other part of it is i'll say this as a backup uh he could be a good backup he's been a good backup but they're going to have to use him different he's not sabonis yeah. so if you're going to play him you know as a backup to sabonis primarily uh hey when he's in the game uh, do a lot of pick and rolls yeah. You know yeah. what he's good at. It's a, you know, just play differently and utilize him. Uh, you know, the, and right now, I, I mean, Alvin's got 18,000 things to think about, but, but you could do that, you know, in 15 minutes, 12, 15 minutes a game, do that. And maybe at some point you could play him with Sabonis. I think that's possible. I think Sabonis actually would be the one could be more versatile and move more to the, uh, to the wing. Uh, I think he has that ability. I've seen that. So, so those are thoughts, but, but yeah, I think that's why I, I think, but he does have, does he have the value that you want him to have? Probably not, but uh, I think you've got a good chance to see if this thing could fit because you always need good backups. Yeah. And now uh, you can tell his, his uh, joy of the game isn't quite there. I think his feelings have been hurt. Uh, no question. Uh, but uh Hey, you know, it's, it's a big boy league. Uh, you know, like I say, it ain't little league. Everybody don't get played three innings. Uh, so it's up to him to find a way to be valuable in this new, new role. Absolutely. Tony, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I wasn't surprised that Harrison Barnes wasn't traded after the Sabonis news because that I mean that made like a lot of sense to keep those guys together, especially if this was if they were going to push for the play in and push next year. Um, why trade Harrison Barnes for picks and young players? Now you got some bonus, you got two and a half years to make it work. So 
you're you're in win now. So that didn't surprise me at all. Um, Rashawn Holmes has had a tough year. I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn because his mom uh, said this on Twitter that they've been dealing with some family, uh, not family problems, but a, a close member of their family passed away. And it was really tough on Rashawn Holmes and he had the eye injury. So he's had just a, a, a really bad year in every conceivable way, it seems like. And do I think he's a long-term piece here with Sabonis? Probably not. But I do think this is where Monty McNair earned some benefit of the doubt where he didn't trade Buddy for the year and a half. Everyone said he should trade Buddy. And I'm sure that was part of the Sabonis trade. Otherwise, it would have been trading Harrison Barnes instead because you need a, a contract to match up there. So it was worth it to hold on to Buddy until he found his deal. And same with Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley could have been traded at any point over the last year and a half. No one would have been surprised. But he held on to him, and it got to this point where he was able to get Dante DiVincenzo. So if there wasn't a deal for, for Rashawn Holmes at the deadline, I, you know, Monty McNair has earned some benefit here to say, all right, well, when there is the right deal, maybe he'll make it. Where do they go from here? Where do the Kings need to focus next in terms of they've got, they've got a star point guard, they've got a star power forward. Where do you see, Jerry and Tony, that the Kings have a weakness or where do they need to build out next or look look to either free agency or, or trades to, to fill a spot? Well, I, I think they have a need, you know, for a long uh, wing, you know, that can play uh, three, four, kind of like Harrison Barnes can, uh, you know, uh, one probably a little bigger, a little longer. Uh, you know, I think there's a need there. And so how do you get that? I mean, obviously you'd like to get it, you know, through the draft, maybe, uh, uh, you know, would be nice if you could get Scotty Barnes type, yeah. <laughs> you know, something like something like that would work just fine. Uh, but, but I mean, now, but you also have to look at, okay, what are our assets? Well, the draft choice and maybe a player yeah. uh, to get, to get the exact need. I mean, to me, they, they have, to me, they have less, actual needs now than they did yeah. uh and so if you could get another star type player a uh, young player on the rise if not by using the draft pick and and a player uh you know that's got is you know where you could say he's got this six seven eight years ahead uh, uh well then my god do it uh, that, so however you do it, but you've got, you've got one star type guy to get, and you certainly have a spot that where he's needed. Uh, the, the point, I think it, the point guard position is a lot less actually important to this team right now than that, because I think with Sabonis, uh, I think you've got a lot of waste in the development of some, you know, with, with Dante and, and, and Davion and, and Fox, I, I, I think you can, I think you can play at a pretty nice pace and, and uh, you don't need to have a pure playmaking point guard. Listening to Monty McNair talk a couple times over the last few days, he said something that seems obvious, but to me at the time was kind of interesting where, where I think someone asked him, you know, how quickly this trade came together. And he said something along the lines of we're always talking. And it reminded me of like, Oh yeah. Like this Dante DiVincenzo thing is a player he's been trying to acquire for over a year. They've talked about Sabonis. We've heard rumors of that for months and months and months. So we, and we heard a lot of rumors the last few months. And I think some, we might hear some of those names pop up again. Once the season ends, you can start trading players again. And the one name that came to my mind was Jeremy Grant, a player we've seen in rumors to the Kings for months. And it didn't happen at this round, but maybe they revisit something like that at the, at the end of the season or in the off season. Cause I do think 
what they do need is the player either next to Sabonis or next to Harrison Barnes. One more starting member on the wing in that front court, whether it's a four or a three, Harrison Barnes is versatile enough that you could acquire either one. But I do think Jeremy Grant is a player who, while wants a bigger role on offense than maybe he deserves, he played really good defense against another very good offensive center in Nikola Jokic in Denver for a year. We've seen how that fit could work. We know that they are rumored to get Jeremy Grant. He's a strong defender. So I view a player of that caliber as a realistic next get to sort of complete the puzzle a little bit more for the Kings. Jerry, would that be enough for you? Well, it would be. I, I, I probably wouldn't be as high on him as Tony. I, I just think because his contract demands, I think, are going to exceed his yep. his, his ability. Uh, I mean, I, I would probably tend to, to look, you know, not saying you can get any of these guys, but you know, as I've said many times, Miles Bridges uh, type or or Patrick Williams, who's been out most of the year for uh, yeah. Chicago, guys like that who who I just happen to like. Uh, Hunter from Atlanta, yeah, sure. young guys that I think are are going to get a lot better, and and would would I think fit and and have star potential. Uh, now they haven't done as much as Grant yet, but I I think you're also. Uh, it, it may be a better financial fit as well as maybe a, you know, from a defensive standpoint, things like that. So I would probably look a little different direction uh, just off the top of my head. I, I uh, only, only because you guys mentioned Jeremy Grant and other uh, small forward power forwards. Sorry about that. I had to cough and I didn't want to blow everybody's speakers out as they're driving home. Um, but uh, I, I, I brought a name up in the King's Herald chat that got kind of roundly booed. And it was just kind of uh, me trying to not necessarily thinking these are good ideas as much as they might be Monty ideas. But I even thought of uh, a guy like uh, Jonathan Isaac out of Orlando where Orlando's paying him $17.5 million a year. And he, he hasn't played much because of injuries, kind of like a Patrick Williams, but has shown defensive potential you know, when he's been able to play, it's, it's a lot to take on for a guy who's been unhealthy for as long as he has, but it's one of those things that I feel like Monty's looking, he's big game hunting, but he's kind of bargain bin big game hunting. Like he's not swapping five picks for somebody. He is looking to find somebody who like Sabonis, who he could get without a draft pick. And, and, you know, he's looking for big names that have kind of depreciated value in one way or another. And Isaac was the one that came to me. I, I like the idea of Jeremy Grant minus the uh, contract demands that his reach might exceed his grasp a little bit there. I like the idea of Patrick Williams because he's young. He just hasn't played that much, but John Isaac was the one for me in my brain. And I like that we're all kind of attached to the same type of player, a little different. Some are a little more skilled. Some have shown a lot more, but that uh, I think we're all in agreement there that a small forward power forward to kind of fit next to Harrison Barnes and, Sabonis is the way to go there. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I do. I think Isaac is the talent. It really is intriguing. Uh, but I mean, yeah. you know, he hadn't played in two yeah. years. So <laughs> that, that just gets, that gets tough. You yes. know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like TJ Warren in uh, Indiana. I mean, I think the guy's just a marvelous scorer. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons they're, they, they've slipped with him Brogdon out all year, basically. I mean, you know, but at some point you think, well, or unless you could kind of guarantee, I'd have to have a bunch of doctors put their name on the line, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and say, say this guy, because I mean, really, I mean, yeah, he, he, he's not a Scotty Barnes, but, but he's really an intriguing athlete uh, of the special sure. caliber, you know, so let's uh, let's talk about the first two games then of of this rebuilt roster. What have you guys observed? What have you guys seen? 
that that you can point to and say, hey, there is some hope here. There is some optimism uh, to go behind what what Monty and company have done this this uh, trade deadline. I'd say this, you know, when you look at the Kings right now, they've got three guys that I think, you know, the Kings as a Kings fan, that's what I am. Kings fan, you think they really got three guys out of this all this trade that I'm pretty sure are really going to help them down the road. Of course, Sabonis, uh, Dante, and Holiday, in my opinion, Holiday, or my three. Now, what did they lose? I think they just lost Hallie. Yeah. That you're going to miss. Yeah. That you can't replace. So, just on the plus minus thing, uh, my goodness, I, I mean, you know, for like say the national media, they they you know, most of them are idiots, really. Uh, you know, they, 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 they've they never called, you know, can't tell a switch from a, a zone, but uh, anyway. Uh, but but anyway, I, I think that that's the key to me. And then, like I say, and of course, Sabonis, he just uh, basically changes how you play, which you don't always get that chance. You know, in other words, which, which I, I really thought about a lot here is that when you watch the Kings now, what does Sabonis do? Well, he he basically, you run your offense through the high post, or you can run it through the low post, much like, you know, Vlade Webb could do. Okay. Now, what else does he do? Well, he sets screens. Really good screens. Uh, you know, that, that, not many guys are doing that these days. Uh, he's he's going to hit open cutters. Most of the time, he leaves the basket open. And then even more importantly, he, now hold your breath here a second, he draws double teams. Did you hear me? He's a low post guy, high post guy that draws double teams. That's why guys get open. And uh, my God, I mean, it's, it's been a long time since we could say that. You know, you, in the past, most of our big guys, if they drew double teams, it's because guys just want to go steal the ball from them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't a real strategy. Uh, so, so I, I just think it's remarkable. All the, I mean, he uh, has really more than anybody else, and I'll credit Alvin Gentry for allowing him to to play like that, and and credit Fox and and Harrison in particular. Of course, Holiday already knew how to play off of him, mm. where where they get it, and and you know, and maybe the most important thing he brings that didn't mention much. Uh, uh, it allows for a whole lot less dribbling by the friggin' guards. Yeah. 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 You know, and we've seen enough of that for a couple of years. Just dribble, 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 hoping somebody falls down or I can get off, uh, chuck it up here somewhere. Uh, so they don't have to do that now as much. Anyway, so I'm done. I'm done on that. <laughs> Tony, what have you seen in these first two games that, uh, that are encouraging? Yeah, for as neutral as I was on the trade and and even neutral leaning negative or pessimistic or whatever it was, the first two games in the Sabonis era were awesome. Like it's a terrible time to be pessimistic on that trade because the Kings looked fantastic in two games. Sabonis did literally everything. Um, the Kings look like they have better chemistry now. I said it last night with six new players than they did in three years with the same exact mm-hmm. roster. They're playing off each other beautifully immediately fox said it feels different it looks different i haven't seen so many cuts to open baskets from this team since i don't even know when the last time um so i'm reminded of one play that happened in the first game with sabonis uh i forget who they played now that oh the timberwolves 
and it was getting down to crunch time. Sabonis' first game with the team. He, the, the Fox is bringing the ball up. Sabonis tells everyone else to get out of the way. He tells Fox to get the ball. He tells Fox to run a pick and roll with him and they get a bucket out of it. That's Sabonis showing some leadership, some offensive leadership, some basketball IQ in like game one minute, like 30. Like he's, he just got here and he's already leading the team into smart offensive sets in the right moments. So I thought, I mean, it's it's hard to come on a podcast after those two games and have anything negative to say about any of this because it, it has worked out so well for this short time that we've seen it. I certainly don't know if the Kings are good yet, but I can say that they're fun. And for somebody who's watched some miserable basketball these last couple yeah. of years, being fun is a really, really, really good start. And I will take watching a fun, bad team over over a miserable team that we've gotten, you know, for the last few years. Uh, there was one stat here that, uh, Tony, you, you reminded me of that I wanted to bring up. Uh, this is a small sample size, obviously, because it's two games. But the Kings averaged 282 passes made prior to the Sabonis trade, which is good for 17th in the league. So so below average. In, in the two games that Sabonis has been there, they've averaged 317 passes, which would uh, stretch out over season, be uh, tied for first place. So the ball is absolutely moving in, in Sacramento right now. Yeah, you know, the only negative, and, and, and there's still the Kings are terrible defensively. I think they're trying harder. I do. Sure. I see more effort, yeah. but it's a little discombobulated effort, and that's to be excused. I, I mean, I, I don't see how they could have a real comfort zone with that. So so I haven't, you know, I mean, I think it'll get better. I don't know that, but, but I like, but the effort's there, and they, you know, the joy factor, and it's not just as fans, I mean, I agree with everything you said, Will. I mean, I, I, I've had a tough time watching these guys the last few years. And I mean, we've had bad teams in the past that I enjoyed. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I had a good time with them because I, I thought, you know, they played as well as they could. But this, this past year, year and a half, it's just been miserable. I don't, I didn't yeah. like the team, didn't like watching them. And a lot of times I wouldn't watch them. I'd turn to something else. <laughs> but, uh, but now, no, they are, they are fun, and, and I think that defensively, you know, and that's what Alvin will have to, uh, you know, work on is I think he got some guys who can play defense better, and, uh, you know, hopefully that'll get better. I think it will. You know, I, I think everybody's talking about the play-in or playoffs or whatever. I don't think this team will actually make the play-in, to be honest, and I'll mm -hmm. tell you why. Because the Pelicans have five more home games. Mm -hmm, sure. and and you know teams that aren't real good always win more at home than they do anywhere else so it's just almost i guess what i'd say is like yeah this is just too late for that i mean uh, you know we'll see where it goes but I, I just think they're you know they've had 32 home games and they dug themselves a huge hole mm -hmm, uh, sure. out of out of three-fourths of their home games already and it's going to be tough for this particular uh version of the kings to to dig themselves out of that giant hole. Last thing before we wrap up, I want to hear your guys' opinions on uh, De'Aaron Fox and just how he's played these last two games in this kind of renewed uh, Sacramento Kings season, how, how you feel like he's performed with uh, all these new pieces around him. I'll let Tony go first. I've been jabbering too much, so go ahead, Tony. <laughs> Fox looks rejuvenated. And, I mean, it's a small sample size, et cetera, all that, you know, we're all – we're not dummies. Well, we're dummies. But we're not that dummies. We understand it's only been two games. So it's, you know, we'll see how it plays out, but Fox has looked good and, and maybe he's just a player that thrives without a competing ball handler in the backcourt. You know, 
it, we thought the Halliburton pairing worked out, but maybe for a player like Fox, he needs to have the ball in his hands. Maybe he's not, maybe he, he isn't a very good off ball player. We could have thought that anyways, but maybe that's something that we're seeing play out. Of course, Sabonis has the ball a lot too, but for having their, you know, it's a, it, there's a clear hierarchy in the backcourt now. It's Fox and everyone else below him. And maybe that's his comfort zone as a, as a lead guard. Um, whatever it is, his joy is is back. I don't know why it left, but he looks like a much happier player. Uh, the, the chemistry with Sabonis is already great. So for, for the position Monty McNair was in, and I agree with Jerry, he probably couldn't have traded Fox for Sabonis. And if he could, maybe he would have. But if this is the way to, to reclaim some value for De'Aaron Fox, if he's a here long-term or if he gets moved later after he, he gets that value back, this seems to be a positive development for Fox as much as anybody else. Yeah, I agree with all that. I, I mean, I really think you, you know, with De'Aaron, certainly uh, playing with Sabonis is a lot easier for him, you know, uh, because I mean, primarily because, you know, as a big guy, if, if he, he gets it back or he's going to screen for him, you know, I mean, Fox sees the immediate value of that to whereas playing with, uh, with Halley, it wasn't, that, that, you know, they're not a selfish bone in Halliburton's body, but I mean, it didn't necessarily benefit Fox all the time and, and or maybe even less. And so, uh, you know, now to me, that's a discredit to, to dear. And I'd tell him that is like, uh, no, your job is, you know, it's the old, if you're not happy, get happy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, and so, but it certainly appears that, that's the case now. And, and like I say, I think here again, Sabonis really understands where the easy baskets can come from. And, uh, you know, like I say, it's like, okay, uh, can't find cutters. So I'll go screen for guys, you know, and I, I think with Demonis, you know, if, if he shoots seven, eight times a game, that's fine with him. You know, he'll, you know, if he can get his major scores, Barnes and, and Fox, you know, 40 points, the game, the Kings offensively are going to be pretty good. And, and uh, the last point I'd make on Fox, I don't know when I've seen him have so many, like, I don't know if it's the right word, but he, he scored easy. You know, he got his 20 plus and you didn't even notice it. Yeah. As opposed to him really, you know, when he had his 25, 30, you think, my God, he ought to, had to you know, <laughs> he ought, you know, he ought to have that. So, I, th I mean, it's just a, you know, perception thing. Maybe I'm wrong, but it just seemed like, boy, I mean, Fox got it, you know, got his the way good scores should get theirs, you know, just all part of the deal. Well, let's, uh, Tony, let's roll over to uh, the Patreon question of the day, and then we'll run to, to Jerry's. Uh, well, first, I'm going to ask about the Super Bowl, and then and then we'll do Jerry's, uh, uh, the Reynolds wrap-up. So, go ahead, Tony. All right. Uh, thanks everyone for submitting questions this week. I know we got a lot with the trade deadline um, and we're going to ask one here. We'll get to them. A lot of them are bigger picture questions so we can sort of save them. Um, but if you want to submit a question or subscribe to our Patreon, go to patreon.com slash Kings Herald. And for submitting questions, you can do it there. You can just do it to me and Will on Twitter or on the website. We'll find it if you ask it. This question comes from Joe Sanchez and it's something we've sort of talked on, but I'm interested to hear what Jerry says too. Um, Joe says, if you land a top five pick, are you packaging it out to grab a star or are you taking the pick? And I would even extend that myself and say, no matter where the pick is, top five or end of the lottery, Jerry, are you taking this pick or are you trying to get better immediately now and trading it? Well, I, it depends on who you think 
is available with the pick. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's a cop out, but it's not. I mean, it's like, well, until you see, you know, uh, who, who could be there, if it's somebody you don't think is ready uh, to play uh, at all, or couldn't beat out certain guys that you already have, I think you'd look to, to, to move it. Uh, and then on the second part of it is if, if, and I always say you should look in the terms of, can I get somebody better that potentially than with the pick than the pick who you can get with the pick. It's really that simple. I always go back to, I mean, you know, trading the rice to Billy Owens for Mitch Richmond. Well, I thought that was really a smart move at the time. And it was, you know, you got somebody a couple of years older, but he was a proven, you know, a proven deal. And people could say, well, Billy's going to be the next Larry Bird or whoever they could say that, but he wasn't. <laughs> and never was and that's the and that'll be the case with this draft i mean you know i always say that the team with the most lottery picks on it is the orlando magic by the way i think they have nine lottery picks <laughs> former lottery picks and they're the worst team in the league so so don't you know you don't want to be fooled by that i, I like i say always uh look at the, you know the, the talent that's there you know be, and you think that's the guy you know, it's kind of like Golden State. I think Kuminga is going to work out fine, maybe Moody eventually. But, uh, you know, if you had a Kuminga type at five and you had five, uh, well, that might work for you. Or even uh, Tony's guy, well, Wagner. I mean, that might work for you. But, but I mean, if you're not sure of that, then uh, so I, I always like the idea of, of, of always thinking in terms of shopping the, the pick and somebody to get somebody that's a sure thing that you know can trot out there and make you better yeah. as opposed to the guy you hope can trot out there and make you better. Jerry, uh, as a follow-up to that, because this is something I've been struggling with a little bit with the Sabonis thing. I think you saw someone like Daryl Morey um, on a much grander scale say, hey, we got Joel Embiid. This is our window. We'll trade two picks. We'll trade Ben Simmons. We got to get James Harden. Do you think there's on a much smaller scale, is there the same urgency here with Sabonis where it's like, all right, we got Sabonis. This is our window. We've got to get the good players right now. Should they, That's where I come back to trading the pick where do you think Mondi McNair has some newfound urgency to get better immediately now that he's got Sabonis on this window of his contract before he's unrestricted or is that not in your mind yet? Well, that's a good, that's a great question. I mean, I think there is urgency. I always think there's urgency in the NBA to get better. Yeah. You know, if you're not getting better, what are you getting? <laughs> you know, I mean, there, there ought to be a goal, but uh, to say you have to trade the pick or feel like, uh, you know, like you're under pressure to trade the pick. I, I, I wouldn't think I don't mean that. I don't think that makes any sense because you might like where you are with the pick. Yeah. You know, I mean, you might, you know, you might have the Halliburton type there at six yeah. or seven that you really like and you, and you feel like you're pretty sure. And, and certainly Monty's record in the draft looks pretty darn good. So, uh, so no, I, I, I think, I think is there in fairness? Yeah. Is there question, is there pressure to get better? Yes, absolutely. You've got two or you've got two or three good pieces, uh, but you don't have enough. And so of course, with the draft, you hope that brings you one. And however, either taking the draft pick or some other way, but you, you need to get better. And, and uh, I'm not sure you say, well, we'll, just, we'll draft somebody. We know he can't really play right away and help us make us better. 
Uh, we'll worry about that next year. Well, you know, next year, next year. I mean, this is this could be. It, it's this franchise is is got some issues, and uh, it's you know for those of us or some that think that okay, you know, just tear it up in five years. Well, five years you may not even have a franchise. If, the way things are here. I mean, I think you have to have some concern about the people that are paying $20,000 for tickets. And I guarantee you, they don't want to watch what they've been watching. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's, I don't know if that answered the, your question or the gentleman's, but I, I, I definitely think you're not doing your due diligence if you don't look into what that, the value of the pick, either by taking it or trading it. Yeah, I'll just add to that, that I think Jerry's right in, in that um, you do need to do your due diligence on both sides of the coin. I just think this year, especially because there are so many power forwards, uh, small forwards and, 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 and centers that are, that are good and around that area, I, I will uh, be holding my breath, hoping that Monty, even if it's the trade later, as, as we've seen him do with his, his little darlings like Tyrese Halberton and cutting, uh, cutting his, his first two uh, second round picks and, in Woodard and Ramsey, there's a lot of really nice talent around 10 right now, and which is where kind of I feel like the Kings are going to project to be. And uh, somebody like Jalen Duran, who's 6'11", who's, who's got NBA-ready defense in my mind, who can pass a little bit, somebody who I feel like, oh, this would be perfect to put right there with Sabonis. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping he I'm – hope, I'm, obviously, they are doing their due diligence. I know at the season ticket holders meeting that they he talked about, yeah, they're already scouting. They've been scouting all over across the league for – for these college players and whatnot, but like I'm holding my breath and hoping that they can outside of trading for an all-star outside of trading for that near all-star guy there, there's enough talent there in, in the draft this year that they can certainly find a player that will help them win this year and, and, and for the future as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. One and two on that. One thing about it is by having, as you know, kind of having the, the number of roster guys who are actually NBA players, does give you, you know, if you can't make that deal, but you do, you know, you're not, you know, the, the guy you're going to pick your high on, but you're not sure he can step in and be ready to play. You, you might still feel comfortable doing that more so than if you didn't have, you know, a Mo Harkless or a, or a holiday, you know, those, those guys available yeah. that you say, well, you know, we might, he might not be able to play big minutes right away, but we think he's going to be really good down the road. Uh, and so that might, that might say, well, you know, unless we get the super trade, we'll, we'll just, we'll just go down this road. Yeah. I, I see it kind of like how the Golden State Warriors are treating James Wiseman right now that he hasn't panned out as much as they thought he would, but they have the luxury of waiting on him and developing him slowly because they've got a, a, a bevy of superstars ready to play and win a championship now. And he can grow as much as he needs to, to help ensure that they stay good for the next decade. Okay, so let's roll over to, uh, uh, before we wrap up here, uh, Jerry, Tony, uh, we're, we're recording this uh, Super Bowl Sunday. So, so I want to hear your, uh, your predictions for the game. I want to hear who you think is going to win. Just give me your, uh, your hot takes for the Super Bowl today. I'll let Tony go first because I can, so I can uh, correct <laughs> yeah, go, yeah, I'm sure you can, Jerry. You've watched more football this year than I have. But I will say, <laughs> if there's any Kings team, in the NFL, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. If you are a Kings fan and you are not rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals, there's something wrong with you. 
go Bengals. You're really going to root for the LA Rams, the team that just moved to Los Angeles, our, our, our rival, that, that uh, fraud of a franchise. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. That's my prediction. That's my hope. Uh, show, show us that, that dreams can come true, Cincinnati. Like, like go get a win for, for the little guys. Well, Tony, on that basis, yes, I am rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, although I, you <laughs> I think the Rams will win. <laughs> well, because they usually do. Because, LA usually does. In a heartless yeah. business for yeah. professional sports, they have yeah. more talent. So that's why I think they'll win. Yeah. Now, one last <laughs> thing I'd say about that is why wasn't Joe Burrow the MVP? That's all I got to say is who even had the Cincinnati yeah. Bengals making the playoffs? Everybody had the Packers making the playoffs, having a good record, or 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 Tom Brady. I mean, no, that guy should have been the MVP, and and uh, so I'm really pulling pulling for him. So I, I hope I, I hope I'm wrong. I think the Rams will win, but I want them to lose because yes, they are located in Los Angeles, and that's enough for me. Well, we are three at three across the board. I am also rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I'm, I'm begging Joe Shiesty to have a really good game, get himself the uh, get himself the MVP he didn't win in the regular season, and uh, give Sacramento. Weirdly, and I don't know the Cincinnati Sacramento connection here, other than like, like I love that one small team is rooting for another small team in an entirely different league, an entirely different sport. But there is a big connection between the Kings and Bengals this weekend. So. Go Bengals. Uh, please, please, please don't let this, this, this Rams team win. All right, Jerry, let's wrap it up for you. Where's the Reynolds wrap up for us? Well, here's just a thought. It, it's been bugging me kind of going along with the Joe Burrow thing. It's like, you know, in the NBA, pretty much the three favorite guys, I think probably to win the MVP uh, uh, or maybe four, it would be the, the, the war, uh, uh, Steph Curry, uh, Jokic, uh, a Kumpo or Embiid, probably, right? Most people, that's who they think. Hey, I can tell you right now who should be. It's John Morant. Do you realize that all four of those teams I mentioned were expected to be really good? Nothing's changed. I mean, they were expected to be, a, but there's a team that actually, uh, really, uh, Memphis, with the exception of the Warriors and the, and, and the Suns, they have the best record in the NB of A. Now, who saw that coming? And why do you think that's there? I mean, there are several other re reasons, but the most valuable player on that team is John Morant, which makes him the most valuable player in the NBA. And that's it. Don't argue with me about it. It's a case closed. <laughs> he deserves it. He won't get it, but he deserves it. Okay, uh, I'll use my media yeah, vote, and it's John Morant. Jerry's, Jerry's got a sausage here. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, for everyone uh, who, who, uh, who, uh, who tuned in today, I want to thank you very much for uh, listening to a special post-trade deadline episode of the King's Herald Show. Um, we're, uh, we're hoping to get this out as soon as possible so, uh, so Monty McNair can't do something else to tear down the team that we have to talk about. Uh, if, if not, uh, we will. Uh, if, if something else happens in the meantime, maybe you'll get another special episode. But uh, until then, uh, you've got two weeks to, uh, to sit and talk about what every, every smart thing Jerry said and every dumb thing I've said. And, uh, <laughs> and we, will, uh, we will see you guys in two weeks. So thanks very much for listening and uh, go Bengals. And if you talk about all the smart things I've said, you won't have to talk much. <laughs> <laughs>